Hello? Hey, girl. Welcome to Cold Film Review, the podcast where we discuss the films you love but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, don't answer the phone, get out of the house, and whatever you do, for God's sake, don't go up in the attic. Because we're talking about Black Christmas. So let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another Christmas episode. I really appreciate it. Uh, just to get some of the stuff out of the way, I would just ask that if you guys could fill us out a, a review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. Helps us get ranked, helps us move up that ladder, and helps more people find us. Also, if you have a friend who's into cult films or movies in general, just tell them to come listen to the show. And they can enjoy it on their way to work, exercising, riding a bike, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, so tonight we're talking about Black Christmas. I am your host, Cody Everett. Just get that out of the way. Uh, it is directed by Bob Clark. Came out in 1974. Had a budget of 650000 Made $4 million in the box office. It was filmed in Canada. It's rated R or unrated, depending on what you want. And it also has a 64 Rotten Tomatoes. If you don't know what this movie is about, it uh, basically is during a Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. And that's pretty much it. So let's get talking about Black Christmas. As always, I am joined by Michael Salustio. Hello, everyone. Chris Willenbrecht. What's up? And Kyle Smith. Hello. This was, whose pick was this? Was Chris? This was my pick. Chris, why'd you pick Black Christmas? I picked Black Christmas because I've I've always been recommended it, um, and I actually have never seen this film, um, and because it's Christmas time, uh, I don't know, I almost felt like um, it would be wrong not to pick it. Uh, because of how much it comes up or how much it's hailed as sort of this cult film. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to check it out for myself and, uh, and, and talk uh, about, you know, what a 19, uh, what was this? 1974, 74. like, slasher film was. So has anyone else not seen this? Was this first time viewing for everyone here? No, I'd seen it before. You'd seen it before? I, I was, yeah, I, I had not seen it at all. No. So I, I haven't seen it either. This is always one of those ones that was uh, on my list to see. Just never got around it. I've actually seen the remake before yeah. this. Um, it's been kind of a hard film to... It's it's uh, it's availability and, and being in, like, you know, in uh, distribution has been really uh, sporadic throughout the years. Does Warner Brothers... Is this a Warner Brothers film? Yeah. I don't know. No. I, I thought it was, like, a major studio. No, and I'm I, like, I know. Why the uh, fuck Shout they Factory need? has it now. Oh, okay, okay. And for In terms of distribution, yeah, Shout Factory's got it. But there, it, there was some crappy release. Some There was some, like, Blu-ray release put out uh, three years ago, and it was just... Uh, look, look, just like a, like a VHS transfer or something. It's, like, literally not streaming anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And when I saw it, it was because Ryan, um, he found it. I thought... I think he found it at, like, a video... It was like a video update, or not a video update, like a uh, like a Suncoast video kind of place. Mm-hmm. And they had like one used copy, and he got it. And that would be Brother Ryan, right? Brother Ryan, yeah. So uh, to answer some questions, uh, yeah, Warner Brothers distributed it along with a uh, company called Ambassador Films. It's can it's it's Canadian okay. movie, so I imagine that's a Canadian company. But yeah. I can't I can't guarantee that. But yeah, so this movie's kind of like hailed as the first. 
slash not the first slasher, but that's kind of like the first. Yeah, yeah, it is hailed as as that, and like the first slasher film, and the one that kind of kicks off the style. And it's weird that I never got around to like rushing to see this one because you know I do enjoy slasher films, and I just for some reason I don't know why this was always on the back burner for me. Maybe it was because it was again it was that horror holiday um, type thing that I was never really into. So does anyone know why this is considered the first, why is this defined as the first slasher? I was trying to, I was trying to figure that out when I was watching it. And like the, so like the, the, the best that I could, the best opinion that I could possibly come up with is that, um, when you look at, when you look at thriller films from the seventies, like Mm -hmm. they tend to focus on like one protagonist, one antagonist, and it's their journey throughout the film. Okay. Um, you look at Giallo films from from Italy. Those have a, a unique detective kind of um, vibe and feel to them. So I feel like this director took both of those and smashed them together. And you get the slasher, which the slasher always seems to target a large collection of people. Whereas like the suspense thriller was always a one-on-one thing. And mm-hmm. the Giallo thing... Tended tended to be only a couple that that got axed in the films, but there were people all connected, interconnected to each other. So is it is it like how do I put this? And this is also this movie is also a killer with, um, like zero motivation for the most part. Okay. Um, where we, we talked about like the justification, and I guess there's a little bit of that with like he's leaving creepy messages about the baby and stuff like that, but we don't know what that may be. Maybe that evolves later on but there's also another one like it does deal with like the final girl concept construct of things too yeah, which I, I feel like is a, a giallo thing I, though I, too I, I, yeah yeah it, and in giallo it's not always like I, I think it's always like a girl but yeah it's always yeah. like a, kind of a lone survivor kind of a thing right a situation that gets created where it's like it, it, prior to these movies like you it was just like these kind of one-on-one thrillers and the good person always wins or something like mm-hmm. that um but I think this this movie established some of the slasher tropes going forward, but it didn't establish all of them. I think mm-hmm. those really happened in the for early '80s and very late '70s. But yeah, that's kind of like watching this. It felt it felt so much more like like a suspense thriller drama uh, uh, drama kind of film than an actual slasher. But you could see the pieces that were put in place in this movie. I think mm-hmm. no, definitely. And it's all put together by Bob Clark, who was the director. And he actually said he rewrote half of the script for this movie, too. Um, If you guys don't know who Bob Clark is, he basically started a couple of genres of films. Slasher is one of them with this this movie. He also uh, directed Porky's, which was the the 80s teen sex comedy. He's kind of set that on fire. Mm -hmm. And then he directed um, the uh, the other Christmas movie. I'm drawing a blank right now. Christmas Story, which is the the legendary Christmas movie. Dude loves Christmas, huh? He really 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 went in a different direction with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he really went in a different direction with Porky's. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Didn't feel right. Got to go back to Christmas. Got to go back to Christmas. (laughs) Well, it's it's crazy because you don't hear too much about Bob Clark. He did pass away. I believe it was a car accident, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you don't hear too much about his like legend in Hollywood or anything like that. And I don't know if it's because he's Canadian or, mm. but I mean he he's how many films total did he do before he passed? Oh, I do don't, we know that? I we could probably look it up. I can probably Google out. that. Here we go. <laughs> well, let's maybe let's not do real yeah. time that on the air. <laughs> uh, really, uh, I can real time it right now a lot. Oh, uh, okay, cool. At, at well over looks like thirty. Is that mostly Canadian films? Uh, a lot of TV. I think uh, okay. a lot of TV on here. Going back to what you 
originally asked Mike, um, what makes this like the original slasher? I don't think it actually got that name or, or got that title maybe until slashers started becoming more popular. Like for example, like, like once Halloween came out, you know, you started seeing like remnants of what black Christmas did in Halloween. And like, I feel like a lot of films borrowed certain things from this idea. Yeah. So so going into it, it wasn't like, I'm going to create the first slasher film. It no, was like... No, no it's I, that... It's, I, it's, it's, okay. I feel like he established it. He established uh, a certain tone that carries over into slasher films that a lot of other directors like John Carpenter would pick up on later. And I think it is like the... At least especially in John Carpenter's case, it's kind of the... It's kind of the killer that doesn't have a motive... And he's more or less an unstoppable force. It's a feeling of that. Okay, because uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. As I imagine, most most tropes that start off or most genres that start off, the person that originates it doesn't know yeah. that he's doing it. Like Mario Bava is like claimed to be the first Giallo guy, but it's only because he had some kids go to Rome and get killed, and then some detectives show up. I mean, yeah, as far yeah. as I know, um, I'm trying to figure out like what those tropes are for a slasher. We've, we've done a few slashers. We've tried to define a few, but I don't really know. Well, I think it's the stranger, you know, lurking around. Um, you know, de- he definitely developed the point of view uh, camera, like that that kind of vision. Like like they do it in Halloween, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they do, yeah, but they right, definitely right. do it in this film, you know? Like it almost, and, and actually- Really would, well done. It almost like precursors, like even like- <laughs> Like it has like a video game look to it almost, where you see the hands crawling up the wall, you know, like yeah, up the ladder. Yeah, I was really, and, I, I, I really wish I, I did some research because I'd like to find out what, how they like rigged the camera for that. It was on the cameraman's shoulder. shoulder. Yep. It was on his shoulder. It looked so, it looked so good, like center point of view. He built, he built a special rig for it. I know that, and then that yeah. was the actual cameraman climbing up the, yeah. the what is that, a tr- what is trellis? trellis? trellis yeah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, climbing up that and stuff like that. It's. It's Looks funny because Bob Clark also said that Halloween was was basically where if they were going to do Black Christmas two was kind of where where Black Christmas two was going to go. Gotcha. As far as like the type of character that Michael Myers was. So would would they have have finally have um, what's the word uh, figured out who the guy was? Because like I, I I took that as the first person thing. It felt like Friday the Thirteenth, except you don't reveal who the killer is. It's like all slashers have that first person vision. Right, but like Friday the 13th, you figure out kind of like, oh, it's this woman. Right, right. And then it's like, oh, okay, and then he comes out of the water, and then, okay, now this is the new... Yeah, I, I would I would say, honestly, like in terms of the, the slasher genre, I feel like this is really unique in that you don't actually find out who the killer is. Like, yeah. they just like, no, don't tell you. It was, it's pretty pretty brilliant the way they do it, too. It really is. It, it, re- it really is. And I think, I, I like... Did you ask why if this is a cult film or did not, you ask not that? Yeah, because we haven't taken a break, but we're gonna do that right now. And when we come back, we'll figure out why this is a cult <laughs> film. We'll be right back. Hello? Hey, quiet! It's him again, the Mona. Expanded his act. Could that be one person? No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. 
right, guys, we are back. We're talking about Black Christmas. Came out in 1974. Uh, so before we left, we're going to discuss what makes this a cult film and or why is it a cult film? And I just kind of like to go around the group and find out, Mike. I mean, I, I guess c considering it is a um, the first of its kind, quite honestly, in terms of like a slasher, and, and so many slashers are cult films, it definitely deserves that respect in that regard. Um, on top of that, like, I mean, it's a very interesting film, to be sure. I don't remember it. I, I don't know that it's a very popular film. It's not like a super classic that I, like, it, it's... It, if you're gonna define a cult film as being like a small group of people keeping it alive versus like, like an organized group of people like Star Wars or something, it definitely has done that as well. It, it, it's a tough call. I mean, I, I I don't think it. I think it's undeniably a cult film. There's no way that I can find a way that it's not. Am I agreed? Am I, am I in agreement here? No, no. Uh, yeah, Chris. What about you? Yeah, I, no. I was going to come off that and say yeah. that I do agree with you. And I think just the fact that it did uh, it did a lot of new things uh, mm -hmm. at the time. Um, I would even go as far as to say some of the language in the film is kind of uh, extreme for this time. Yeah, like you know that whole first phone call they get. I mean, it's uh, he's talking pretty dirty and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we'd really seen that in cinema um, up until this point. I, maybe we have uh, or had, but. Uh, that took that caught me off guard, and and yeah, I just also think that it's there is a the horror community especially embraces it, which is where I think it gets its cult roots. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think, I think the fact that this film is kind of uh, widely considered like the 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 influence, the inspiration for John Carpenter's Halloween, like puts it way up there in terms of like popular films for in the horror film community. But I also think it's really interesting in this movie how like, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't reveal as much as you would expect from a slasher film or anything of like of the, the, the serial killer. You don't know really anything about him. And I think that's a really unique concept and really cool. I agree. Especially like the phone call thing caught me off guard too. I just first yeah. say that I did too. I was when when that, when that scene popped out. I was like, I don't remember. I was like, I don't remember this yeah. language being like this in this movie. But holy shit! I was like, did he just say pink pussy? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you say that? He used the the c word quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's throwing the c word around like it doesn't mean anything. I'm like, all right, dude, Agnes. Yeah. All right, you know, Billy, it's Billy, Billy, <laughs> whoever it, he is. I was pretty shocked by that. And the the crazy thing about that is is the the original dialogue that they used was Bob Clark was off, you know, talking to the girls. They didn't have the actual stuff recorded and he they said it was nowhere near as dirty as what made it into oh, the really? film. So the girls were, were actually reacting to something that was less offensive mm -hmm. than than what actually mm -hmm. came out, which is surprising because the reactions are really good. I yeah. have a question. Yeah. Um is is this one of the original like sorority massacre type films? I like, thought the same thing. I think it is. When I saw like, it. Yeah. Was there another film that existed before this that involved a sorority house and a bunch of sorority sisters getting killed off I mean, one by one? I mean, you can I mean not 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 a not a sorority per se. I mean, you could look at Suspiria as being it's mm. this is a house of like it's a ballet house, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a sorority house. It's just it's all women in this house. But you know, that was seventy Three, yeah, that's a good call. Seventy four, maybe. Call. So yeah. it's like almost the same year, um, but yeah, I think I think the 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 sorority kind of theme is definitely carried on and, and and brought along with the slasher genre. So I think it was kind of 
more hard established here. I don't know how big Suspiria was in America though, at the time. I, I, don't, like, know I don't know either. how big Italian but cinema really was because I wasn't alive. You get you get me wondering about that whether or not he started that weird dynamic. Like, let's get an all girls school yeah. and let's get a killer. Yeah. I mean, well, Suspiria was 73, so... Right, right, but I'm wondering... I I mean, I don't know if this is the case, but Suspiria does, I mean, like you said, it does does have that same dynamic of a sorority to some extent because it's an all-girls ballet school. I I wonder if that is the case. I don't know if that was the precursor to this whole genre that that, that eventually kind of dominated the 80s. It's definitely one one element of it. I mean, Suspiria goes completely, you know, out the window because it's about a witch. Right, there, there's, right. Like, there's a whole that. mystic yeah. element yeah, of it, yeah. so that's why I don't. That's why I don't think that this that that movie directly influenced this one as much because it like a lot of those Jowl films. They, I mean, there's a lot of them that are straight slasher or slate mm-hmm. straight, you know, stalker in the night kind of killers. But there's a lot of them that deal with like supernatural stuff too. So that's another reason why this movie is so groundbreaking. It's just, it's just some random fucking guy killing a bunch of women, you know. Being a creep, I I uh, I actually like the the sorority setting too, and it, it's it's kind of cool to kind of look back and wonder like what people were thinking because it is it's a like especially in the beginning of the film it's a very fun setting, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it is like it's, then you get that creepy point of view of like a dude, pretty, <laughs> yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got <laughs> asthma. It certainly took me a while to figure out it was a sorority though, right, guys? Like, did anybody think that like? Wow, all all of the people in this sorority are a little old to be in a sorority. I think what threw me off at first was all the dudes that were hanging out in yeah, there. Yeah, that first. was that was and one I was, at first. And I was, I was like, okay, maybe this is a fraternity sorority thing. But even the guy, there's like a guy in there with like a weird like with the fro. With the fro, yeah. Um he looks old. He looks old. He looks like he's Dude, well into his thirties. Well, here's, here's the thing though. Yeah, it, it, I mean that's probably part of it. It's definitely the times. But I mean, I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out the timeline of the school. That these girls are all going to because even the 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 main character's boyfriend, who's the pianist, yeah. I mean, he he's been in a conservatory, which is a music college, for seven years. It's a long time up to that point. So I gotta imagine all these girls are either seniors in their senior like year of college, or it's some kind of like school that. Is like post secondary or something? I don't know. Doctor school. They're all being. Do- they're all going to be doctors. I don't know. I, don't I did know love. <laughs> I did love though. The thing I love about the sorority though, when you're watching it, like, did anybody else like start to see like the twinklings of your your normal character arcs spread out all throughout this the sorority? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it was so. It, I thought it was fun to watch. Is you almost like watching? It's almost like watching something being born. Like oh, like there's. There's the there's like the party girl, like and, and kind this, of, kind of because. But they killed they killed the one that became the, like the ma- the first girl who dies is the like innocent one. I, that's what I was actually thinking that the the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I was like they actually kind of broke the rule that they later adopt, which is like you know what do they say? Don't have sex, don't do this. They, like yeah, and she was kind of innocent. Yeah, she was the good girl, and she died first. She went first. The weird thing is, too, is that the film opens, and I totally thought that Barb was going to be the main character. Margot Kidder. Yeah, because yeah. she was just and, and, and focused on her for the first I, If I'm not mistaken, the they're film. the first, she's the first name that they even show on the credits, which yeah. is odd because Margot Kidder doesn't become a mainstream name until Superman comes out in, like, 1978, right? Her role is odd because it's what I imagine Margot Kidder is like now. <laughs> like she's just 
with wh- a whiskey in one hand and like a decanter of more whiskey in another. <laughs> <laughs> like Margot Kidd is like insane in this film, and it, it it establishes her as the main character. But like as the film goes on, you quickly start learning that like there's no fucking way it's her. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. way it could be this girl because she doesn't care about anything except getting hammered. Essentially, and having sex, I guess. Because yeah, the, the very first, like the very first conflict that you even experience in the film is her and her mother. Yeah, that's like why are you spending this time getting me to to care about her personal life or something if you're not going to pay off that she's the main character. And then I thought, and then I thought, like, okay, well, the girl who gets offended that is the first kill. I was like, well, okay, maybe she should be because I'm going off. I'm going off what current. Yeah, horror movie tropes final is. girl trope, which is the the virginal, the, the innocent, the one that yeah. like you know. It, it, and I thought you know, okay, she would be, she would at least last longer, not be the first one. You know, right. it was really, it was really weird. And then our main character just comes out of the crowd almost, yeah, as just like a, a person who happens to answer the phone. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that was another. Yeah, I didn't notice her in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, she's British. Like that. That's yeah. odd. Like that was that's like the British. one weird. Was that thing. British? I think that's European of some sort. I couldn't tell, but... Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I was... Was anybody else... This is kind of one of the disappointing things that I, I found with this movie, too, that I didn't like. Um, was anybody else disappointed when you kind of found out that Jess was going to be, like, the main character or the final girl? A I, little I, bit, I, yeah. I was. Definitely. I was like, I don't even like you. Like, I didn't like you throughout the whole but, film. But only because there's... Okay, one problem I... the Actually, the biggest problem I have with this film is the pacing and how it's oh, kind of structured... Like it, it, it feels slow a lot because like it, it, it kind of bounces from character to character, and you have to learn a little bit about them, and then you realize that they're not really that important, and then it goes to another one, and you realize that they're not that important. It's it's a weird way to to deal with introducing characters, and I agree with you. Once it got to her, the main girl, I was like, I don't give a shit about her. Yeah, I uh, see. I was more interested in her boyfriend who was beating that piano like it was like. <laughs> Well, no, like that's, that owed him money. This is like, when this is when that. I started investing in her, in in Jess. Was when you know she basically went to her boyfriend and she said, "I'm pregnant and I'm going to have an abortion." And you know he and you know he tried to like basically take control of the situation and say, "No, you're not doing that. You know you're going to quit school or whatever, and you're you're going to move in with me, mm-hmm. and we're going to do this." And she basically stood her ground and was like, "No, I have dreams too, and I, w- I have things I want to do." and and basically, like, became, like, a stronger character yeah. in those scenes, like, and that's when I got kind of sold on her her character. Yeah, I'd agree with that, because, yeah, yeah, she really does establish herself as, as like, you know, yeah, as a, as a powerful character in, in those scenes. I mean, up to that point, you don't even really have that much screen time with her, because it's juggling between, because uh, the, the first, like, 20 minutes of this film really is, like, a missing persons kind of film, and it's all the characters looking for their friend who was the first kill and all of their experiences through all of that. So that's probably why it felt so jumbled because it's kind of, it was trying to focus on, on like misdirection, like making you focus on the fact that like this girl is is this important Mm -hmm. when really the main characters over here is the one who's getting the phone calls and dealing with the shit really. And then when when the whole pregnancy thing comes up, then it's like it's all about her from that point forward. I thought Barb was too much of a loose cannon to be a to be yeah like yeah. The, it's, it's impossible. She was totally she was totally a kill. I thought she was gonna pull her shit together at the end, and then you know because you get that with like it's always that's always another trope, right? It's always like why are we going to Crystal Lake? Well, we're going to Crystal Lake to camp because Tammy has a problem with drugs. 
and she's just clean now, and she just needs to get away from the city and refocus on her life. You thought Barb was a Tammy? Yeah, yeah I'm just, Tammy's just I mean, a made-up name. Here's a but. question, though. When does Barb become the glass menagerie? Like, when does that become one of her, like, character traits? What do you mean? How, when when we enter her bedroom? Yeah, yeah. like, all of a sudden we realize that she has a weird fixation with fucking unicorns and glass. Why, does, why is that even important? It, it's because her, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a very weird, like, when you when you show something that like that in a film, like a weird kind of obsession or a thing that you own. It's a collection of fucking glass yeah, but, animals. But, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But what I'm saying is, like, in, in, say, Tennessee Williams' Glass Menagerie, we know why... That girl owns a, a a menagerie of glass figurines. We know why people have a, a weird obsession with. I don't know what you're talking about. What's Tennessee Williams glass menagerie? I'm sorry. In, like a girl owns a bunch of glass figurines, and that becomes like a big centerpiece for how the the story works. But is this a movie or a book? Or? No, it's, it's like a play, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, I, am but, I the only one that hadn't heard of this? I'm sorry. But also, I'm an asshole. But also the, the only movie. one with theatrical background. But also a movie. But also <laughs> a movie. He's um, the only one with theatrical background. I okay. would be on I would be on board with you on with on that thought if they would have played that up more in the film, but because right. it only appears like in one scene really, I didn't think too I much. I just thought that. it was a murder weapon. I it, just thought it was either a murder weapon or it's hey, like does this girl? What what would a girl decorate her bedroom with? Like, oh, yeah, do yeah. These. One one glass unicorn, <laughs> but not I, like I, I a, know, like an entire fucking wall of them. I don't know like, when, when you're thing. when you're when you're on a low budget and you're shopping for shit, and you find you happen to you happen upon a collection of glass figurines <laughs> and you get fifty for a dollar. You're like, this room's done. Let's move on. This is what Barb's into. Yeah. <laughs> and also, n- not not a character. Trait that you would think that a drunken a person I feel that's like drunk you and not control way too much on the glass no, no, animal. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, you did. not. Absolutely not. Oh, it's a very heavy part I got of the film here, Mike. When you think somebody when ha- somebody shows you a certain amount of character traits, which is drunkenness and like possibly clumsiness, you would not think them to be the type of person that would own a delicate menagerie of glass figurines. But, but hold on a second. Maybe Wait. maybe if you really want to get deep on this, okay. like Barb comes off as like a hard ass, like somebody who doesn't give a shit, blah, blah, blah. When you get led into this other little part of her life, maybe it's like a an immaturity, you know, of her. Like maybe it's like <sighs> yeah, a childishness. I feel like I feel like I don't know. I feel I feel like it's wrong to be like, well, she's a drunk. She would never have these or she's a loose cannon. She would. But this is like this is something this this could be like some kind of weird connection. We don't know. It could be some kind of weird connection to her mother. It could be, but, but but to not show that, like, as, why did we need to see it though? Because as a right, if you're t- if you, somebody had to craft this script, right? Somebody had to to build this from the ground up, right? So when you do stuff like that, you wouldn't name like your main. I guarantee they strong, didn't strong man character. You wouldn't name him something like 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 Stacy. You wouldn't <laughs> name that guy that because he would have a tougher name. He would have like. Are you implying that when they wrote it, it said and cut to glass unicorn stabbing? It's very possible. I don't think so. I think it's and Barb dies. I do have a I do have a, a problem with the Stacy comment you made. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Manly From man. class of nineteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, with yeah. the with Manly the banana man. and the fucking yeah. mullet. Yeah, that dude Lo- loves <laughs> loves him a good banana. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I who knows if there's any symbolism. I don't think. There. That, I, don't, I I honestly think it wasn't even. 
like I, this this does this guy doesn't strike me as a Kubrick where every single piece in the scene is said. He hired a, he hired a production manager. They decorated the room. They said, "Hey, this would make a great weapon." All right, it's it's a glass unicorn. Well, see, Done. I, I think the weird thing is is I I kind of agree with Mike in a little bit, and I agree with Chris. But Chris was saying where it, it does sh- show this more kind of innocent side to a girl who puts on a, a tough exterior. But again, it's like why waste so much of this character development on a person that is not the main character? Yeah, they do it in the beginning of the film with the whole relationship with her mom and her keeping girls back who actually end up getting killed, uh, and then they they kind of just keep on developing her character until like they just send her to bed. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. Much. It's really weird. Like that threw me off quite a bit. Let me ask you guys this question: just to keep the conversation rolling, who's your favorite character? Barb. With it- that being said, Barb, yeah. Uh I do like Barb a lot. Yeah. Um, but one person that I just kept thinking about throughout the whole film was Peter. Because he was such a fucking psycho. He was so weird. <laughs> like, like anytime he would pop up, I'm like, that guy's such a fucking yeah. douche. Like, and I would kind of obsess about it, and I wanted him to be the killer so bad. I'm really just shocked by these answers, Kyle. I don't know, man. It's really, it's really it's 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 hard to say. I mean, honestly, if I had a, if I had to pick who I thought was like I was the most annoyed or entertained by at any given point, it'd be the sergeant at the police station. He's such a bumbling ass. Oh, I felt yeah. bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> sergeant Nash, is it Nash? Yeah, yeah, Sergeant Nash, dude, I love Sergeant. But I Nash. do. Oh. I fucking love me some John Saxon. I got Dude's one more. Fucking awesome. The house mother. What's her name? Oh, yeah. Oh, the drunken house mother. Yeah, the one who had a fucking stash every closet in the fucking house. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. Was she trying to be the moral authority to the sisters? She is. She's the house mother. Right. But at the same time, hiding the fact that she's an alcoholic? Yes. 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 Well, she she talks. She talks. Then I guess I got it. She actually brings it up and talks about it. Like uh, when she's kind of backhandedly talking behind uh, um, the first girl's dad who gets killed. I can't think of his name. Um, but she's like, like giving me all this shit when I'm supposed to keep these girls morally in control. How the fuck, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. oh man, her scenes, like the whole scene with the father in the room, and she's covering up the butt on the wall, that was and like, funny. and then when she's calling for the cat, Claude, right? Claude, what a, <laughs> what a name, great, it, Claude. Get it? <laughs> she gets it pretty good too, man. She has a pretty good death scene where they just he just oh, you don't up. really see it. Though. Yeah, I don't know what happens to her. I want to. Yeah, let's talk oh, about that. Oh, I'll tell you exactly scene. what happens to her. He Please has, do. He has like a he has like a, a pulley like system, a with giant a hook. pulley hook, right? Yeah, a pulley system hook, and he fucking lets it go when she pops her head up and it catches her. Yep. Right, but she's like, it's a slow death. Like she's screaming in a weird way. If it caught her in the neck and it hung her up. Like she, I feel like she wouldn't be screaming in this such is agony. the movies oh, that I can't it explain. Is the, yeah. It is the movies. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like if, if it hit her right in the face, like there's no way she'd be screaming clearly. She's a little, right? She was a. I don't know. Looking at those angles, looking at how much slack was on that line. I mean, I I, I had to guess it probably hit her kind of in the chest area. Well, how the hell long did it take her to turn around and notice? Like, I mean, I, let's, let's I, be don't, I don't know. It was a pretty dark attic. If I tried to create that same death scene with anybody, that hook would hit you in the chest, and you'd be like, "What the fuck, you'd dude?" You'd fall back down that. What? St- what'd you, <laughs> that what'd you hit me with a fucking metal hook, know. dude? That, that was hurt. a sharp ass hook. Yeah, it was a sharp ass know. hook. Where did, did that? Where did that come? What was that for? It was so that they can bring shit into the attic because the only way to get up there was a what, thin like, loud. Slab- 
better? of meat? No, <laughs> no. What are you talking about? Like, you got trunk crates and trunks and shit. Yeah, but you don't need a sharp hook to do that. You just need a heavy hook. You just need a hook. Maybe the guy sharpened it. Jesus. He's been up there a while. You're digging real deep into the to the to the minutia of this film. Very detailed. Why wasn't that a blunt hook? I'm really upset about. <laughs> no, I loved, I loved uh, the Sergeant Nash. He was uh, yeah, also really yeah. great. Um, he was a good, likable character. He was because he was such the bumbling fool. But you know what? I I think I I, I thought even more so. Like I like John Saxon. I like Sergeant Nash. I don't remember John Saxon's partner's name, but I actually liked him just because of his laugh. Yeah, it was laugh. such a good. He was like he so was contagious. making me laugh. Here's a here's a uh, an observation of of how different police have become. Yeah. Where you can just run in a police station and start verbally assaulting a police officer, and they don't do a goddamn thing. Nowadays, you run into a you know, like a police station, you start doing that, you're getting tackled, motherfucker. I'll yeah, do you one better than that, Chris. I'll do you one better. A guy shot a cop in this movie with oh yeah, oh, with bird shot. Yeah, and the guy's just like, God darn it, should have yeah. been on my property. Yeah. Bill, if you ever do that to me again, like that's <laughs> yeah. how it kind of like, was. What you shot a cop yeah. and like it, that's all, cool. That's all good. <laughs> Canada, man. hey man, Canada. hey man, cop was trespassing <laughs> on his Dude, property. Different times, man. So, so go back to uh, John Saxon. Also, can he just can he just only play a cop? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not unhappy. But he, yeah. was, he was no one's dad in this one, though. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> but he, he, well, I mean, in Nightmare on Elm Street, right? He, right, right. he was the dad and the and cop the yeah, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I but, love John Saxon. I think he's I a do. fantastic like actor. Him. No, he's great. Fantastic. Movie. I learned a lot from this movie. What'd you learn? I learned that if you're gonna trace a phone call in 1974, <laughs> oh shit, you better have on your walking shoes <laughs> because you gotta get those fucking Nikes holy on. Holy shit! I was like, dude, he's actually like literally tracing this. Yeah. Like he's literally Can I say something. It's very uh, coincidental that you said that because I I just heard another podcast which I won't say because they're a competitor. No, I'm just joking. Um, that was mentioning the fact that tracing phone calls is an incredibly long and tedious task. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I thought that was so cool. That whole scene, though, yeah. where he's tracing, I thought that was fucking cool. It was and it's cool. like, it yeah. has nothing to do with the movie. It's just this dude running around in this maze of like clicking things. Yeah. But I'm just like, I'm so enthralled it's by something it. Something you don't see very often. I feel like, like, yeah. like that can't be how the phone system I, works. I think it was. Maybe back then. I think no, it was. I know now, now. Yeah, I understand then. Maybe now, now but it's now, satellites. It's got to be. Yeah. It's all satellites. It can't Mike. be like a dude running around a satellite. Who the fuck's got a landline? Hey, what do you think <laughs> the satellites are powered by? Landlines? No, they're powered by diamonds. Diamonds. Oh, yeah. it's a good, ju- good catch, Chris. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah. Communications industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you always got to be on that Congo kick. You always <laughs> got to be on it. You always bet. Yeah, no matter what movie we're reviewing, you 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 had better done your Congo research. Anytime I can get a Congo reference in, I'm gonna get one in. That's just <laughs> what I do. That's just what You're I do. Congo with it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just gonna, gonna go Congo with it. With it. Uh, so, do you guys think that uh, Black Christmas still holds up, or do you think that it was hindered by the millions of slasher films that followed it in the '80s? Um, I think. I mean, the only thing that hindered it would be its low budget and its inability to be distributed at the time. I think if it had come out in 79 or 78, it would have done just fine. But because it was like such a like net new concept, it was just kind of people didn't quite flock to it. As of today, yes, it has a cult following. Okay, so let me let, let me kind of rephrase that. Uh, so by what I mean is like hold up is like so we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night right. last time we did that, and I really enjoyed that film. I thought it was like just entertaining. 
and it was a lot a, a lot faster and i feel like it took elements of like this story and other slashers mm. and just approved up, uh, upon it um it's kind of like the the same thing here is where this is kind of a, a step into like a, a new a new frontier yeah a new frontier and maybe they don't have all the kinks worked out yeah. so do you think that that kind of hinders it because it it wasn't perfected and maybe that's why black christmas i'm not gonna say it's not popular but maybe not as well uh renowned as it should be i think it it exists in the cult film world the way that most fundamental things exist in any world right <laughs> i'm sorry they fucking got me i don't understand I, uh, <laughs> it's just so deep in such a short amount of time it, <laughs> no it, it's true like like it's the same way with like like something like a battleship. I'm sorry, battleship Patankman. It's a hard thing to pronounce. Patankman. Yeah, I've never heard that. What's that? Is that between? Is that the skin between your butthole and your balls? It's exactly. It's exactly <laughs> it is that. Now a it's battleship. A, it's Patankman. about. It's about that. Um, no, it's it's a film that they show in like film schools and stuff like that about like the usage of jump cuts and stuff like that, or like the Man on the Moon, which is that old like um, mm-hmm. you know you saw it from like the Smashing yeah. Pumpkins videos or whatever. Um, they still show those things to some extent to show the fundamentals of how film work. Uh-huh. So I feel like this film also exists in that same facet. Does it? It it's the beginning of certain tropes that begin to become the slasher genre. And as a, as a respect to that genre, you should watch it. And if you are a fan of that genre, you should definitely watch this film. I feel like that's where it kind of exists. But that being said, it's also like a fairly. I mean, it's it's not a bad film. No, I think yeah. I think I think really you're asking if it if it holds up. Um I think it does hold up, but what I think it's missing that a lot of people are so love so much about this genre is it it's not that graphic. Like it's it's honestly doesn't have that many kills. There's like effects really aren't like a part of this story like you know, and like with the Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, it's yes, it's about the, you know, a killer uh, on Christmas dressed as Santa. So that's kind of a gimmicky thing. But it also has like the kills, like the real, like mm-hmm. the gruesome kills to go along with it. Whereas this one, uh, you know, it was an earlier time where that wasn't, I don't think, yeah, quite as I'm, acceptable. So even even Halloween isn't like over the top. Bloody. No, no, it's, no. It's pretty it's it's pretty tame compared to other slashers that came down the road. I think this movie holds up. Um not just because of maybe it's cult following or, or what it did in terms of um, producing a new subgenre of horror. I think it holds up a lot because of the ending. I think the ending is still like, it still grabs you. Like it's still kind of, it's, it's, there's an uneasiness to it, you know? Yeah. Here's my, here's my take on it too. I, I kind of, and I might get booed on this one. I kind of don't think it holds up and here's, here's why. This movie's an hour and 37 minutes long. It took me about three hours to watch this whole film. And it was because I kept losing interest because it wasn't it wasn't fast enough for me, honestly. It's interesting. I did start to finish. Did you feel like it was hard to follow though? No, not at all. I did. I didn't feel like it was hard to follow. I was just like I was just like, I don't care about f- fucking Peter's recital. I don't care about the, the a missing girl that has no link to the story whatsoever, just except just to throw you off. 
Yeah, um, that was that that we didn't even touch on that yet. That 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 makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, in the movie. <laughs> that part did confuse me. I will say because like you know it goes to the shot of this mother saying how she you know her daughter's missing and all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, who is this person? Like, why is she important in this story? And then they follow it up with finding her daughter, yeah. which you never see. Like it's just you know reported that there's a dead there was a dead girl found in the park or whatever. And I'm just, I just kind of like that. Never tied up in any way, shape, or form. So it, it never even, it never even started to be tied up. There's never <laughs> even. We basically, we showed up halfway through that story. We saw the the middle and end of that old girl story, and we have no idea why it exists in the film. For it all was, I know, Billy didn't even kill her. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is like there's there's certain things about this this thing where it's like okay I got like I like in the very beginning I got invested with with Barb, but then when I realized it's not going anywhere with her. I was just like, okay, time for a break. Yeah, and then I would get invested into another character and realize it wasn't going with them, and then be like, okay, time for a break. And then you know, then it got to the the one character that I didn't like, and it was about her. And then I'm like, okay, time for a break. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of like how I I watch this. Now, pacing does have a lot to do with that because the pacing on this film is is very slow. Um, it's it's almost it's it's almost the same pace as Play Misty for me, but I just found Play Misty for me a little more entertaining um but it's it's i don't know it's that i don't, I don't know. know if it's a 70s thing or or what i, I don't think pacing. it's a 70s thing this one i i just feel it's one of those films that maybe wasn't written very well like when they structured the script it wasn't really something they were thinking about but inadvertently they cre- they they used enough tropes that maybe they maybe they saw in giallo films i can't guarantee that but um they had accidentally stumbled upon something that people connected with, and and that's where this film still exists in the cold film world. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't have a hard time though working my way through it. I mean, I I, I will one hundred percent agree with you in terms of the way it's edited and the pacing of the edits um, is a little draggy. But I also I also found like that the phone calls were spaced out enough in the film, and they were creepy enough to totally grab my attention and keep me focused in on the film and that broke up all the other stuff going on though. Don't get me wrong, anytime there was a moment of suspense like a kill or the phone calls, I was in it. But stuff otherwise from that, if John Saxton wasn't on the screen or uh uh Lieutenant Nash wasn't on the screen or or Barb wasn't on the screen, I had a hard time focusing. I was invested in in wanting to see what happens to the story. It's 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 not like the, the slowness of it, it it's it's the bouncing from character to character to character that throws you off. Like in most films that you know nowadays, like if you're if you're introduced to a character, there might be a twist where it actually does switch to one other character, and that's a big deal. But this one seems to bounce all over the place. I don't know who to follow other than it's like a weird ensemble of sorority sisters that get slaughtered, and the one that happens to get slaughtered last just so happens to be the one that we've been talking about the whole time. Yeah, it, th- that story comes out of nowhere. I feel like they were resting their laurels on the who done it scenario, which worked for me honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I found myself trying to guess throughout the whole film who is this killer. Like, is it Peter? Is it one of these chicks? Is it the house mother? Is it the fucking cop? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I, and 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 I will give it credit for me not no not being able to figure it out honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, which we find out at the end that you know there is <laughs> there's nothing to know <laughs> yeah, really exactly. But. So Warner, so just uh, to throw this out there, I believe it was Warner Brothers of one of the studios did try to get Bob Clark to change the ending to where it would be uh, Chris, 
which was the hockey playing boyfriend. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So they try to the get the guy with the giant ass fur coat. It yep. wouldn't even make any goddamn <laughs> no, sense. It wouldn't have made any goddamn sense. And I think that's why he stuck to his guns on that. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to touch more on. Uh, fuck, what's this movie? Black fuck, Christmas. I always said Silent Night, Deadly Night. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Yeah, Nash, what is it? A phone company's on the other line, sir. They say they got a trace on this one. Yeah, let's have it. He says the calls are coming from number six, Belmont Street. For Christ's sakes, Nash, you got it wrong. That's where the calls are going into. That's where they're coming from, too, sir. Oh, shit. All right, so we're back. We're talking about Black Christmas, and I think we're just going to rate this mammer jammer. Chris, what are we rating it? We're going to go with uh, rotary telephones. Rotary telephones. If you don't know what that is, they plug into the wall, and they did not have buttons. They had, like, a round wheel, and you had to fucking go all the way around. I'm going to go first, actually. I'm going to take the the first one on this. Oh, wow. I'm going to give Black Christmas a three. Um, I think it's a solid film. Uh, It's the start of the slasher genre, which is pretty cool. But it does have its problems. Um, It's Like I said, I had to take some breaks on watching this because I just... I don't want to say I didn't care, but I was I got bored because I kept on focusing on characters that didn't matter. Um, as far as like, is this something you can put on the background and people can watch and stuff like that? I don't really think so because it's a, it's kind of a movie you do need to pay attention to, even though you really don't get a payoff at the end, which is kind of the payoff, which is weird to say. Um, so I'm just gonna say three. I, I think it's a solid film. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be my favorite slasher of all time. I don't think it's my favorite Bob Clark film either. But uh, I think it's a solid, solid movie. So three. Let's go with uh, Kyle. Yeah, you would pick me, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give this. A, I, I'm actually gonna give this a four. I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I forgot how much I I did enjoy it. Um, there is a funny thing about this movie where, you're right. There is a lot of slow burn and the pacing is a little off, but. I'm used to all that stuff. Like I feel like a lot of the movies that I've that I've watched growing up have been films from the '60s, films from the '70s. That I just have to accept the fact that it's not going to be fast paced. It's not going to be edited as well. Um, the thing I love about this movie is the ending. Is the fact that like you just don't ever get that payoff as to who is doing it, and it's such a great setup for your imagination to fill in the blanks for what happens afterwards um it is cool that it is that it did set up a lot of the 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 serial killer um slasher genre tropes in the film and it was fun to kind of see some of those early the the early framework of those characters come to life on screen um i think it's a great film i think you should check it out um yeah, to Cody's point, this is definitely not one you just throw on and forget it. It's not a set it and forget it kind of film. Like you need to be a little bit invested to follow the story along. But that's a good movie. Four. Mike, you're next. What's your rating on this? How many rotary phones? I'm going to give this three rotary phones. I'm going to disagree with. I mean, kind of agree with, but also disagree with Kyle. Uh, I don't feel like it's a slow burn as much. It's like watching paint dry, than uh, watching it peel. Than revealing that the Mona Lisa is behind it, <laughs> like it—it's a weird. It, it takes a very, very long time, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's like slogging through a swamp. You get there, but once you get to the destination, I feel like there's a lot to be, lot to be gained from it. That ending 
quite honestly scared the shit out of me. But everything between that convoluted story makes no fucking sense. Characters bouncing all over the place. It's really hard to follow. But then once it hits its stride, which is unfortunately is towards like the last quarter of the film, um, solid film. It's a very solid film. In a way, it kind of feels a little bit like a, a really bad scream. Where, like, you're watching all this, and then all of a sudden at the end, the very end, the killing, it's like, holy shit, this film came together real quick, and now it's iconic because of that last quarter. That's how this film feels. So, uh, for that, i got to give it a three. Yeah. All right, Chris, is your pick, so you're last. I'm glad I picked this film. Um, I, again, had never seen it before and was kind of curious what all the rumblings were about, and uh, I don't think I was terribly disappointed with it i i like the i like the fact that it was a bit more of a mystery um i like the fact that it surprised me in certain scenes i like the like again going back to the the language that was used over the film i was taken back by that um some of the kills were kind of interesting and creative the mood that it set was um was well done i thought um and i thought the killer billy who you never actually see the way they creatively shot around him or only showed him through the cracks of the doors or only his eye um only added to the creep factor of the film um overall i'd probably give this a three and a half um i uh it is definitely not a film that you could throw on in the background because it's not a visual spectacle in any way. Um, it's more of a follow along the story and guess who the murderer is. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend this to anybody who hasn't seen Black Christmas before. It, it's the start of a lot of uh, uh, of a lot of great films that come after it. It, it definitely influenced, I would even say, Halloween uh, possibly, and uh, and it's just. I, I could see why it's a cult film because it's sort of started a genre. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. I just want to say, uh, leave us a, re- a review on iTunes. Helps, Do it. Helps us out a lot. And we'll give you a shout out at the end of the episode and say thanks. Do it. So just do that for us. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us at Cult Film Review on uh, Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at Cult Film underscore review. You can follow Kyle at- uh, you can follow me on Instagram at cultfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at Mike Salustio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. You can also find Cult Film Review on Twitter at cultfilm underscore review. Can oh. we, though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can is we, it, Mike? Is it there? I don't, I don't know, Mike. Is it there? Yeah, it's there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so you can there. go follow oh, us on Twitter. Oh, really quick, Mike, you 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 were touting your 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 victories of being on Instagram again. You didn't even you didn't even pitch it again. What about? Yeah, oh, oh, you screwed uh, it up so bad last time. I know, last time was <laughs> fucking uh, train wreck. I believe at Mike Salustio on Instagram. I don't think that's right at all. Is it not? I don't uh, know. Mike underscore Salustio? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Is it Mike underscore Salustio? I think you tell me, dude. Salustio? Can't even did, say his did, own did last did name. I have, did I have to underscore myself against another Mike Salustio? I, think, <laughs> I can't I, believe it. I think you should probably just change it to something simpler. I don't know how many people are going to spell Salustio. I like the fact that I'm the only person in this group that doesn't have cult film. Well, not anymore. Yeah. VHS Collect. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to stand out, too. You want to stand out, oh, too. Yeah. So, so Cody apart. stole my... Cold Film Cuz over here. Cousins. Yeah, Cold oh, Film yeah. Cousins. <laughs> we have a joint Instagram account? Yeah, it's Cult Film underscore Cousins. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on Instagram if you want to see what I'm watching at any given moment when I've had too much to drink. 
So there you go. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. That's good. That's 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 entertainment right there. All right, guys. So just remember, if you're gonna join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.